The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 207. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding. Position us. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Hello, I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing Day of the Moon, the second part of the 11th Doctor's second season premiere. You'll figure it out as we go along. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, please, uh, if you have not yet done so, please subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any of your favorite podcast apps, or on the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. So, as I mentioned, we're talking about the second part of the season premiere for the 11th Doctor. This is the sixth season of the new series. I can never keep those straight. I need to start making uh, writing that down. There's so many seasons in different uh, orders of classic and new. But uh, this is the second part of that first. And we talked about the first part in The Impossible Astronaut. And so we're picking up from where we left off in that episode. And as a reminder, so we have the Doctor, we have Amy, we have uh, Rory, and we have River, and a, uh, a sort of new companion, a Canton Everett, Delaware, uh, who is, we're in 1969, we've got uh, Richard Nixon, and we've got these aliens who have apparently been on Earth for centuries, if not thousands of years. In fact, I think they- Thousands. They, say, they make yeah. that clear. Yeah. Yep. Since the uh, they say they've owned the planet since the wheel and fire. So they were right. actually there in the very second Doctor Who episode. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> All of Doctor Who is encompassed by the the the, the dominion of the silence. So, to, and to kind of where we ended with the last one, they were in a warehouse uh, in Florida in 1969. Ha- having been lured there by a doctor that's 200 years older than the one we're familiar with, which is right. actually a notable jump that I don't know that we mm-hmm. really commented enough about last episode. But that's that's breaking with the narrative tradition on Doctor Who, where even right. when the doctor has has uh, encountered a slightly future version of the same incarnation. It's never been 200 years in the future yeah. before. That's a massive jump in the Doctor's age. Well, we did we did kind of comment that this is, you know, this is where Stephen Moffat starts playing with his timeline quite a bit. Because by the time he's done, I think, doesn't he age something like a, hundred, a thousand years or something like that total by the time Stephen Moffat right. Yeah, finished. he's 2,000 years old by the time we get Peter Capaldi. Right, and then Capaldi uh, spends uh, quite a bit of time, not counting the billion years in the... Uh, I that don't count. count that as actual. <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it is interesting. Like This might be the longest that he's ever been in one incarnation at this point of the Doctor? By the time we get Peter Capaldi, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And then, uh, so, and as it ended, Amy had just told the doctor that she's pregnant and then spun and shot at the child in the astronaut suit that they, it, that it, they encountered. Uh, she was thinking this is the, the person who, uh, that she saw murder the doctor at the beginning of that episode. And then suddenly we cut to Amy as action pregnant woman running across the desert with Canton and a bunch of FBI guys chasing her. Yes, yeah. uh, that is that's what it says. Three months later, and uh, they 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 catch her, chase her. He apparently doesn't remember the aliens, the silence, and he shoots Amy. And then we see these hash marks on her arm, the you know the counting hash marks. And that's like, oh, shocking! Amy is dead, or not? Uh, then we cut to uh, Area Fifty One, where uh, we actually were recently with the Doctor in an animated version. Remember that we recently mm-hmm. did with the Tenth Doctor. And there's the doctor sitting in this big empty hangar in a chair. He's got long hair and a hair and a beard. That so three months. Apparently, Time Lords grow hair very quickly. Yeah, I was going to say the opposite. Well, hair very quickly, not his yeah. beard. That's not three on a, a human. That's not three months worth of beard. Yeah, no, the beard, right. beard expect. But you know, I mean, I admit I haven't had. A haircut since before this whole COVID thing, and my hair is nowhere near as long as the doctor's was. <laughs> exactly. And uh, Everett, uh, sorry, I keep calling him Everett. Canton, Everett, I'll call him Canton, confronts him there. And then we cut to uh, New York, where River is in a construction, a, a high rise being constructed. Looks a lot like the one from uh, Daleks of Man- in Manhattan, by the way. Could be the World Trade Center that was being built in 1970, 1969. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They don't say explicitly what it is, but uh, it's a construction site. She's being chased both by the silence and then by Canton and the FBI. And uh, she's marking her arms as she sees the the silence. So this is new, this whole marking themselves with things as they see the silence. This is new in this this episode. And uh, she falls from the building to escape. Based on what we learned last episode, even though we don't yet know that they're called yeah. the silence, we do know that they are a creature you instantly forget upon mm-hmm. turning away from them. And so the right. hash marks are to remind you, we can infer, of when you've seen one. Right. right. And so apparently, like throughout this little montage, apparently Canton has turned on the Doctor and his friends. He's hunting them now, presumably on behalf of the these aliens on Earth. And uh, that's what we're supposed to, to, to get the idea of. And so back at Area 51... Now the doctor's is, you know in that hangar, but now they're building walls around him using dwarf star a dwarf star alloy zero balance. Yes, the densest material in the universe, the perfect prison. And I have two thoughts on that, which is so these two human beings are just moving around the densest material well, in the that's, universe. That's why they call it zero balance dwarf star alloy. Zero balance. So it means it's like weightless or light? Uh, something like that. Yeah. But I just <laughs> thought it was really, I thought it was really cool to see the the awesome retro 1960s zero balance dwarf star technology. It's so different than the zero balance dwarf yeah. star technology that we have access to today. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, also, wasn't the Pandorica the perfect prison? I mean, is this a, are they just recycling an idea they just used? Yes. It's some kind of perfect prison. Okay. Now, yeah. Is is it is it intentional? Like, oh, by the way, we've used this idea just now, and so the doctors come up with this new idea based on that, or are they just like 
we're going to hope you don't it's remember. just some kind of writing trope. <laughs> just some yeah. kind of. <laughs> so, uh, yes, they're going to imprison the doctor in this perfect also, prison. Also, they've got Rory at a dam. Right. He's at the Glen Canyon Dam in Arizona. Yep. Uh, welcome to the to the dam tour. I'm sorry. I get the Chevy Chase uh, vacation, <laughs> Vegas vacation thing in my mind. I'm like, I won't go there. So he gets caught up to him, and he gets shot by Canton as well. We've got body bags back and, at Area 51. And of course, this you know the the scene at the dam was the actual dam. So this is part of their you know, North America right. filming tour. Uh, right. They actually went to the the Glen Canyon Dam and were able to film there, which was pretty cool. Which it, and it would have been new at that point because it it finished up in '62, oh, so it yes. would have been a new dam. Yes. In any event, they bring River, they bring Amy and Rory back to Area 51 in body bags, which they put in the now completed right. Dwarf Star Alloy Prison for the Doctor. Canton steps inside, it shuts the door, and it's revealed this has all been an act. He's really yes. on the Doctor's side. Amy and Rory are fine. And they've got the, and even though the nothing can get in or out, a no, not no radio waves or anything can get in or out of the prison, that doesn't matter because they've got the TARDIS on invisible inside the prison. And they then go catch River from falling off the yes. building in New York, which we'd seen before, so we knew that was going to happen right. when she jumped out of the spaceship. And then we get another Amy recap of what the series is about for all the new American viewers they're hoping to get, even though it's not even the first episode of the series. Right. What does she say? Uh, she, she basically. Um, when I was a kid, I had an imaginary friend and he right. came back and now we travel the universe, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. And then we go into the opening credits. And I I found myself thinking, you know, trying to watch this episode once again from the perspective of someone who's an American who's never seen Doctor Who before. And by the end of the episode, I would just be mystified. I might have had mm. a good time, but I would not know what's going on because they, they leave so many things unresolved by the end of this and don't right. explain other things that right. like when the little girl regenerates at the end, if I'm a new American, I have no idea what that is. Okay. So I was going to bring, bring up the, this um, at some point in, in the whole uh, discussion here. And I, 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 this is a good place to bring it up. I, when I first watched this, I had been watching the 10th the doctor uh, in the in the Night Doctor for a while, hadn't watched the original series, uh, and at the end of these two episodes, I was confused. I mm. and I was not a new a viewer, so the problem I think with this these two parter and with this whole season is that it's so convoluted, and it's hard yeah. to remember what's going on in the different pieces. And all well, I remember at first is that I uh, as, as I was going into even rewatching this now is. I was confused at the end of the two-parter with so many questions. And it's like Moffat is almost too clever and stringing the whole thing out over a whole season just makes it all too tricky to keep track of. And you've got all the time jumping. You've got the lady with the eye patch that just shows up briefly for absolutely no reason whatsoever other right. than to say, oh, she's dreaming or something like that. And then, of course, you got the girl with the, the regeneration at the end. And it just was yeah. not easy to follow and this is after seeing it you know a couple of times since it right. first aired yeah I, I think it's he's trying to do too much too quickly he's not allowing the story to breathe and there are beats that just don't seem to make any sense like when amy gets taken by the silence she hasn't been taken by madame Kovarian, who is the eye patch lady as we'll learn mm -hmm. right she gets taken by the silence and we're not sure why 
the little girl gets out of the space suit and we're and that happens off screen and we're not sure why they get the space suit and start analyzing it and can tell some things about it but not others and it's there's just a ton here that's unexplainable and, and or at least unexplained on screen and some of it I don't think we ever get satisfying answers for right and at the end of this we still uh, don't have an answer to how is the doctor dead at the beginning of this season you know the well, very beginning that, that's for the end of the season that I can give right. them but right yeah but it's sort of i mean i yeah i guess they they, they want to you know dra- not drag it up but it's kind a of, flash forward they're giving us a yeah. vision of the future and mm-hmm. then we'll see how we get there and how we resolve it yeah yeah it, there was a lot a lot of things get raised a lot of threads get unspooled and most of them don't get resolved by the end of this and they don't get resolved for a while and you have to kind of right. keep all this knowledge in your head in suspension until you eventually get there uh well so, and, and river throws out like a line about how the the suit could ask could the suit move on its own right and it just gets dropped there right and that's it. oh so maybe the suit killed him on its own yeah uh, we except we saw the visor raise the doctor said i know who you are to the right. suit right but but still, just this idea that you know there's stuff like that that just kind of got dropped out there and just left sitting on the floor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So they decide to do a search for the little girl and where she came from, and mm-hmm. this goes by really quickly. But the doctor says, "Well, they would have taken the little girl from a place she wouldn't have been missed." So check orphanages, right? And they go to an orphanage that I gather is in Louisiana. I'm not sure, Florida, at least. Well, the, I, I I forget if they said it was Florida or Louisiana. Um, I think they did say Florida, but the guy definitely does not have a Florida accent. That's a Louisiana accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's this Dr. Renfrew, who you mentioned, at, yeah. who's running the place. And it's, it's incredibly dilapidated. We learn that apparently this was shut down several years ago, and he hasn't realized it. He thinks it's going to be shut down in... 1969, and he's living in some year before 1969. The place is infested with the aliens, so he suffered repeated memory wipes and has gone dotty as a result. Mm-hmm. And apparently the little girl was being kept in a room there as the only child in this yes. dilapidated children's home. And on on the dresser, there are a bunch of pictures, one of which is Amy holding a little baby. Even though right. Amy has now said she was wrong, she wasn't pregnant. Right. Yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to go back and address that when when we're done with this bit. But yeah, so she, they they show up at this orphanage. They, they find this whole nest of them. Uh, Amy does. They're doing. Uh, I like that Kent and, and Amy are doing their like a, a Mulder and Scully routine there. Mm-hmm. She's like yeah. pretending to be FBI. She, she ends up marking herself because having seen them, but doesn't realize that she's marked herself. So she doesn't realize that there's. A nest of silence in this orphanage, which is interesting. Uh, it's very, it's very creepy. This whole hash mark all over their face and arms. Yeah, yeah. that is effective. Um, mm-hmm. So now it, you might wonder why would you hash mark your own face because you normally can't see your face. Yes, but I, it does make for an effective thing when she <laughs> looks in, uh, sees her reflection in a window, and there are marks all over her yep. face. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so. Renfrew tells Canton because they're set, they're uh, now in a separate place from where Amy is that he cares for this child that's there, and 
Meanwhile, Amy finds this big steel door, and as you mentioned, a panel opens, a woman with an eye patch peers out, says to someone, no, I think she's just dreaming, and then closes it. Yeah, And this is Dr. Covarian, right? Or Madame just, Covarian. Madame Covarian, right. But we don't and, know that yet. Right. And, and th- this is part of the, the little bit of maddening part of it. So that's all going to be later. She's in, in some sort of alliance with the... the uh, the various enemies of the Doctor, including the Silence, uh, that will only be revealed later. And, I mean, I'm going to sort of just reveal a bit. This Amy is not going to turn out not to be who we think Amy is, but is kind of Amy. <laughs> that's, what, mm, yeah. that's one of the things that really confused me later. So, anyway. Uh, the Amy so, we have with us is an avatar. Right. Yep. They call it a ganger, which... yeah. We saw the gangers before, right? Oh, yeah. That was there's that a two parter was... introducing them to get us ready for that concept. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was before this. Okay, so, um, yeah. So I'm trying to remember. Well, it's before the, the, the reveal, we haven't seen the gangers yet. Oh, okay, okay. So meanwhile, they've they've gone to Cape Canaveral. The Doctor has taken them to Cape Canaveral and revealed that Apollo Eleven, which is on the launch pad is going to be the secret weapon that defeats the Actually, silence. he says it will be... No, it's not Apollo 11. He says that, that would be silly if it was Apollo 11. It's Neil Armstrong's foot. Yeah. That's the With, secret weapon. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> right, right. When his foot gets the... <laughs> yes. Um, meanwhile, so when um, Canton and Amy go to the orphanage, we get a flashback to the doctor going over what they learned in the previous three months, and then... The doctor and I want conf- to know how they're even talking about the silence without without looking at one of them the whole time. This yes. that doesn't make any sense. Yes, exactly. That's a, the the note I made. How is it they now remember the at least the existence of the creatures before? Yeah. Well, of course she's got. The, they've got the picture of of one from Amy's smartphone. So right. I mean, at least you've got that where they can say, okay, we've seen one now. You know, we can see one in, on a picture. But they even doctor even says that you forget about. Even talking look- about them, what you've talked right. about them, if you're not looking at one, right? And they don't, and that they don't explain that. The doctor does implant devices in them in their palms, which are like little recorders. So when you're looking at a silence, you can cl- click your palm and then start describing what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Also, it's he it goes by really quickly, but it's also bonded to your to your brain. And right. it creates a telepathic link between you and it, which in in which case, why do you need to describe out loud what you're seeing? <laughs> right, right. It's yeah. But that'll the telepathic thing will become important later in the episode. Yes. So it's another kind of poorly thought out thing. We do learn that the silence can give you post hypnotic suggestions, which we kind of saw in the previous episode, and they make it explicit here. Right. And this is this is going to turn out to be how the 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 silence they'll reveal their name finally in this episode. Yeah. Uh, but how the silence had been running Earth is they run into a human, they give the human a post hypnotic suggestion, and then the human carries it out without realizing why he's doing it. And so they've been in control of human civilization for thousands of years. They don't need to make anything or do anything themselves. They they're parasitic. They just get humans to do it for them. So the doctor has a line here, which I think is interesting. He says, as long as there's been something in the corner of your eye or creaking in your house or breathing under your bed or voices through a wall, they've been running your lives for a very long time. So keep this straight in your head. We're not fighting an alien invasion. We're leading a revolution. And today the battle begins. 
And I, my response is, that sounds a lot like the Twelfth Doctor story, Listen. The, the creatures that are there, mm-hmm. that are the source of all of this, you know, uh, the, the, the creaking and the, all that sort of stuff, uh, that, that, are, that we don't notice but are there outside the corner of our eye. And I, th- I, th- I find it interesting. It also Moffat's- sounds like the, the Vashna Narada. Mm-hmm. Right, right. This is, seems to be a theme that, that Moffat likes to do. In fact, it's, it's like the, the, um, the uh, Weeping Angels as well. The yeah, things it, that exist it, when we're not looking. It, it or yeah, there's that, but there's also just taking ordinary fears and saying there's something really there. Right. Hmm. Yes, I guess that that like is statues, really creepy. statues yeah. really are creepy, and and <laughs> yeah. shadows really will eat you, and things like that. And your house what creaks, were... and yeah. you'll hear noises that you think are voices, and all that stuff. Yeah. And what if there were things that only existed when you saw them and you forgot about the scary thing when you turned away. Yeah, I mean, it's just a bit like a vampire in that sense. I mean, the vampires are like that they, you look, if you look into the eyes of a vampire, it will hypnotize you and, and that sort of stuff and control you. And, and it's parasitic. It lives off of you. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Uh, so I, I find that interesting that, that, that kind of, and in fact, didn't Moffat just recently do a Dracula series, by the way? Yes. In, on the, yes. On the, in so, which I, he, in which he and, and his writing partner, oh, Mark Gatiss, uh, um, yeah. explored why would Dracula have all these weird limitations, like he has to be invited in and stuff like that. Mm, right. mm, interesting. So it just seems to be something Moffat likes to explore. I, I find it interesting. I, I, think it's, I think it's at least somewhat original, the, these concepts. So I'm glad to see them. Uh, so later on, we've, we see the Doctor is uh, rooting around inside the Apollo 11 capsule, uh, installing he's, something. He, he's he's literally doing rocket surgery. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and gets caught. Uh, and uh, he, so he's being interrogated by uh, security at Cape Canaveral, not in a cell, but in a lecture hall for some reason. What set was available. <laughs> right. Yep. So the, he claims to be on a secret mission for the, for Nixon, who then shows up having been brought there in the TARDIS by River, and he asks them to let the doctor go. I, I that was a fun little scene. Uh, Nixon got a lot of travel. Man. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not the only time Nixon gets to be. I mean, if by some standards the the test of being a companion is do you get to ride in the TARDIS, and Nixon goes twice in this <laughs> episode. So I, yes, I like the idea of Richard Nixon as an official <laughs> doctor companion. I, I, yeah. But it is played nicely. It's nice to see Nixon just stride in and on more than one occasion in this episode and take command of a situation. And he's he's not arrogant about it. He's he doesn't yep. strut in and like, I'm your president. Obey my authority. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, he's hey, you know, I'm President Nixon, and I just want to thank you for your service to America. You're doing important work here, and all of America thanks you. Yeah. <laughs> and he, More of a political he's, stump speech than in a... Than yeah, a, but he comes, across as, he's, he comes across as winning and friendly and humble, but still solving the problem, and I like that. Yes, uh, and, and, and he does actually, in the end, like when, the, when the, the guy in charge sort of balks a little bit, he says, son, I am your commander-in-chief. Uh, I guess it'll be fine then, Mr. President. Like, he just... <laughs> sort of reminds him that that he is the boss, but yeah, <laughs> that was good. Also, I like when River and Rory show up with Nixon in the TARDIS. They're both wearing this awesome 1960s Mad Men costuming. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. And Rory looks, you know, like a kind of young 1950s or 1960s businessman geek. 
And yes. River has this awesome stylish dress <laughs> mm-hmm. and looks very 1969. And right. I just thought that was a good Mad Men look for them. Uh, well, the funny thing is the doctor fits right in with his suspenders and, and uh, bow tie here and, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and his, his regular outfit just fits in. It's timeless. I also like how at the end of the scene, Rory, who has broken a model of the lunar lander accidentally, <laughs> yes. yeah, awkwardly turns to the NASA guys and says, America salutes you and salutes them awkwardly. And yes. British well, salute just, with a British accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. British, British salute. Yeah, he does the British salute with the palm out instead of palm yeah. in. Yes, very good. Uh, so b- back at the orphanage, meanwhile, in Renfrew's office, uh, Canton and Renfrew are in there. Uh, Amy has already. Uh, encountered the astronaut in the girls' room, and then the silence had come in and and uh, taken her. But in Renfrew's office, th- there's a knock, and Renfrew goes to the door, opens it a crack, and is talking to so to it through it to someone who is apparently very tall that we don't see, which I like because that's the, we we get the idea that who's he talking to? Someone very tall. The silence are very tall, and that's when this the this particular. Silence alien. What is the singular of the silence? I don't know what it is. The silent comes in. Yeah. Canton asks if it's armed. We have no we have ruled the world since the wheel and the fire. We have no need of weapons. So Canton shoots him with the gun and says, Welcome to America. Which I think yeah. is awesome. <laughs> that was so funny. I like how we have for one in 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 New Who, we've had a lot of America bashing. Yep. And oh, yeah. it's nice to not have that for once. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are recognitions of differences between British and American culture. I, I once, this was actually on a totally different show, but I, uh, I based out of Canada and it had a Canadian being mistaken for an American and the Canadian was saying, no, I'm Canadian. That's like an American, but without the gun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and there could be playful recognitions of the differences in our in our respective anglophone cultures right but it's nice to not have the bashing that has right. often been there in new who right that's there, there is a fine line between that between the 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 kind of insulting and just the fun like oh you americans are all cowboys aren't you and and us taking a little bit of pride in being cowboys a, a yeah. bit, you know that that difference yes and we could, you know, gently say, call our, our British friends a little stuffy or whatever. But that's, but it's all in fun as opposed to, you know, insulting. Uh, so that right. would be. So meanwhile, the doctor is in the Oval Office with Nixon. By the way, before we leave or get too far away from the scene in the orphanage, I like oh. how the silence sleep on the ceiling in clusters like bats. Yes. Hanging upside down. That's really cool. Yes. That's, uh, yeah, very alien. So uh, in in uh, and in fact, it reminds me of the movie Aliens in, the, in a way. So there's mm-hmm. there's that there's a little bit of that feel in these creatures. So the uh, doctor in the Oval Office tell, tells Nixon, make sure that you record everything that happens in this office, <laughs> which and is this great. Is, this is yeah. a great subversion <laughs> of 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 a trope on Doctor Who, where the doctor meets a historical figure. And ends up giving them their best ideas, right? And so here we have the doctor meeting a historical figure and giving him one of his worst ideas. <laughs> That's yeah. right. So, and I love the fact that they don't bash us over the head with it. It's subtle because if you uh, yeah. if you know anything about history, you know that Nixon recorded the real President Nixon recorded everything in his office, including things that were ultimately detrimental to him and, and to his legacy. The and, famous Watergate tapes, yep. right? 
and and so we we're just expected to know that. If we don't know that, then it just goes by. But I I like when when you expect your audience to know things and you don't you know bash them over the head with it. So that was good. Yeah. Although uh, in fairness, Nixon did not come up with the idea. LBJ did it before him, and I think Kennedy did it before him. Right. Right. Mm. So uh, the doctor and River and Rory come to the rescue at the orphanage, but Amy is gone from the room by this point, and the spacesuit is empty. The nano recorder from her palm is on the floor, transmitting her voice from where from wherever she is, and she's apparently very scared and wanting to be rescued. And we get ambiguity in coming in in her in what she's saying over the transmitter, which Rory has now. Yeah. Rory is convinced that she at first that she's calling for him to come rescue her. Yes, but as she as it goes on, it sounds more and more like she's talking about the doctor, and it's even going to sound like she's talking about who she loves, and it sounds like it's really the doctor right. rather than Rory. But they it's ambiguous, and so Rory is soldiering on to save his wife, even thinking. She's not wanting me to rescue her. She's wanting the doctor, and she really loves the doctor. But he's still going to save her because he's committed right. to her. And then, of course, it's going to turn out, no, she was talking about Rory the whole time. <laughs> yes. But but So this is just a distraction, but it's at least an emotionally interesting distraction. Yeah. It's, well, I it's like emotionally Rory. interesting, but, but I didn't like the way Amy came across in this because of that ambiguity that they put in there. They made her look yeah. fickle and... Yeah, you know that. Yeah, she married Rory, but she'd really rather be with the doctor, and it just it did not make her look good at all. Even yeah. towards towards the end, yeah, same kind of thing. Well, yeah, I do like again. Rory comes off in coated in gold here. He's like mm-hmm. it, 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 he has this line where he says, "Because the doctor says she she can't hear you through the recorder. Don't you, you don't bother talking to her." And he says, "She can always hear me, doctor. Always wherever she is." And she always knows that I'm coming for her. Do you understand me? Always. Like, Rory is convinced that it's not about the technology. It's that his relation, his love for her, his relationship for her. And he is dedicated to her no matter what. And I, I kind of like that, which makes what happens in the next season annoying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to the next season. Uh, but uh, Or the next, well, later on, we'll put it that way. Anyway. Um, so Renfrew comes into the room now and says, someone's been shot. And it turns out it's the silence in his office. He remembers someone's been shot. So he must have been given a post-hypnotic suggestion to go get help. Yeah. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the silence had sent him. So the doctor comes in and asks, you know, what it is. And this is where it tells them their, their name. We are the silence. At which point the doctor then has this flashback to the beginning of last season. And all the time someone talking about running from the silence. And the silence will fall. So we get this yep. clear indication that this, the silence has been planned from the beginning of the 11th Doctor's, right, like from the very first episode of the 11th Doctor, in fact. Yeah, and silence will fall is not the greatest line as <laughs> yes. a slogan because it mm-hmm. contains an inherent ambiguity. And to my mind, it's like silence will fall sounds even more like silence will be defeated. Yes. Right. It's, then silence will be victorious. Yeah. Well, because yeah, you know, it's sort of an awkward. The, the, yeah. Well, they flash back to that scene where uh, Rory's going into the TARDIS and everything gets dead silent. So yes. you know, they la- this was in Venice, and so last season they made it sound like literally silence, the lack of sound. 
right. it will fall, which that, that does make sense. You know, the idea of the lack of sound will fall, kind of like a fog falling or, you, right. know, a, you know, something falling down, coming down on you, yeah. not they're being overtaken. Right. Yeah. But, si- something like silence will fall across the land would work better. Yeah. Yes. But the yeah, but they, across the world. We get to have the end of this episode where the silence does <laughs> fall, as, as, as we'll see. Uh, so they, we're back at Area 51. It's several days later. The cell opens. Canton comes out. You've been in there for days, says the soldier. And then Nixon comes out, which is like no one seems to ask, how did the president get in there? Now, uh, now, now Dom, I have to correct you. As Air Force, he's an airman. Actually, a sergeant, to be more correct. Oh, yes. Because mm-hmm. yes. it was so, Air Force. So, uh, yeah. I, I, I got I to maintain my little bit of pride there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We have an Air Force veteran here. So we'll, yeah, I, I'm willing to, to take that. Uh, so the TV shows the uh, Apollo 11 on the pad preparing for launch. Uh, back in the warehouse in Florida, where we were in the last episode, the Doctor and River are now examining the spacesuit. Not sure why they're back in the warehouse. Yeah, this is unexplained. Yeah. Um, they talk about how it's it's a hybrid. It's got alien tech for life support, but it's at least twenty kinds of alien tech in it. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So we're basically explained. You know, we have a, a narrative explanation here. The silence are for some reason raising this girl, keeping her safe, making her somewhat independent, uh, but also you know being con- you know uh, contained in this suit. Um, the- and the doctor gets aside. He says they're the silence are super parasites influencing human behavior since the beginning of history. So why did they suddenly decide to go to the moon? Because they needed a spacesuit. Like that's the doctor's theory: is that the whole moon mission was just so that uh, humanity could could build a spacesuit that uh, that would fit their needs, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, Canton's back in the cell at Area 51 with the wounded silence um, and gets him to say on video on Amy's uh, phone that humans should kill the silence on site. Which I like how he, he explains to the silent that this is a camera phone. And then he says, whatever a camera phone is. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. right. laughs> a, a 2011 version. It's not an iPhone yet. Yeah. We, we haven't got there yeah, yet. It's not even uh, a smartphone really. It's like a little flip phone. Yeah. Um, so Amy says in the uh, this is the point in the warehouse where Amy does the whole I love you and the other one doesn't know it. And it, we're supposed to think she's talking about the doctor uh, and, and Rory thinks that she's talking about the doctor. Uh, and that's when Rory and the doctor have this co- uh, conversation. about does do you d- Rory, do you remember waiting 2000 years for Amy? And he kind of says, mm-hmm. no, unless I actually, you know, really think about it hard. And there's the, a. The, 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 he sort of leaves it ambiguous. Sort of well, leaves it ambiguous. No. He he said he wants no, it to be he ambiguous. Fir- he he first says no, and then the doctor says, "Are you lying?" And he says, "Of course I'm lying." <laughs> right. uh, except I don't right. think about it all the time. There's like a door in my mind that I can open if I want. Right, right, right. right. That's what it is. Yes, yes. So he wants to know if you, doctor, can track her through this telepathic yes. hand thing. Why don't we just go now? And the doctor says, and then what? This is, you know, you were in Rome. You know, this is like kicking out the Romans. and you right. got to have a plan. And so we get some progression on Apollo 11 is getting ready to land. And then all of a sudden we're with Amy and the silencer telling her that 
you're we're honoring you, but your role is going to be over soon, and you can sleep now. And they're start trying to put her to sleep with a post-hypnotic suggestion or something. And suddenly the TARDIS materializes. And in context, if the writing is good, that means the doctor now has a plan. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor comes out. He's got a television with him. Yes. Yep. Rory and River also come out. The doctor and River start flirting. <laughs> Amy, who is tied to uh, tied to something, says, "Is this flirting really? Is this really important flirting? I feel like I should be higher on the list." <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> and the doctor also notes because we have another one of these TARDIS sets, yeah. the primitive TARDIS things. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, oh, this is very Aikman Road. Right. And he references the episode The Lodger, where That's we right. saw this kind of TARDIS-like yep. structure before. He then starts playing for them the the beginning of the moonwalk, which is occurring live, mm-hmm. because they didn't have VCRs right. then. Yep. But he finally reveals his logic, which is, you know, humanity doesn't just go to the moon and stop. They're going to they're going to sail out into the stars. There's a billion people watching this now, and sooner or later every human in the future sees this moment in archival footage. And so as Neil Armstrong is doing the one small step for man, the video from Canton's Amy's camera phone breaks in with the silence telling them you should kill us all on sight. And <laughs> yeah. one giant leap for mankind. You should kill us all on sight. And this keeps getting repeated. And so we see humans like in a bar somewhere on Earth suddenly yep. realizing there's a silent among them and turning on it. And yep. so the doctor ha- explains, you've raised an army against yourself. Well, really, they didn't. He did. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But now humans all will have a post-hypnotic suggestion to kill the silence on sight, and the era of the silence is over. So they can't control Earth anymore. They're going to need to run. And that's uh, interesting of the Doctor to basically, you know, call up an army to violently overthrow, like to kill them on sight is what he went for. On that, it's uh, a little, it's a little unJody Whitakerish, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why can't we all be friends? It's a little more Peter Davison-y. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Secret Service in the Oval Office uh, turn, see a silence standing there, and <laughs> start 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 blasting away. Then a gun battle ensues in the silence's lair. Rory at this point realizes it was Amy talking about him earlier, and River waits until the Doctor's in the TARDIS, and then she does some super moves with her gun to shoot all the silence at once. She was pretty fairly shooting even before the Doctor went yeah. into the TARDIS. Yeah. But I like how they're like back to back and covering. So they're covering each other's backs as they're turning around and she's shooting the silence and he's waving his screwdriver. <laughs> yes. And she says, what are you doing? I'm helping. You've got a screwdriver. Go build a cabinet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says, that's really rude. And, she, and then she says, learn how to drive, which is even more rude. <laughs> Well, this is where Amy says, uh, after she shoots all the TARDIS after the doctor's gone inside, she says, uh, my old fellow didn't see that, did he? He gets ever so cross. <laughs> and Rory says, yeah. so what kind of doctor are you? <laughs> like, yeah. very, very, like, put, like uh, what, what's going on? She goes, archaeology, love a tomb. And in other words, she's just turned the lair into a tomb. Yeah. Uh, so back, uh, we end up back at the, Amy does the whole, you know, I, yeah, I was saying, calling you a stupid face. 
you know, you're the only one I call stupid face. That's why I said I love you, stupid face. And Rory's like, oh, okay. I feel I feel all awkward now because it's my fault that you said something uh, ambiguous. But they test this once more mm-hmm. in this episode because the doctor. So Rory is off by himself, and and the doctor is talking to Amy, and he says, "So you told me you were pregnant. Why did you tell me?" And she right. says, "Because you're my best friend. Why didn't you tell Rory?" And the implication might be mm-hmm. that he got her pregnant, right? at least the way Rory is hearing it. Now, really, the doctor knows he didn't sleep with Amy, and right. so he's asking for some other reason. But from Rory's perspective, who's overhearing it on the palm thing, this could signal the doctor, Amy thinks that the doctor's the father. Yes. And she explains, no, it's because I've been traveling with you. I was afraid of... You know, that's got to have an effect. What if the baby's deformed as yes. a result? What if it has a time head? <laughs> and and they have a laugh about whatever a time head might be. Yes. And so there is a logical explanation why she would talk to the doctor about it before talking to Rory about it. And so that resolves that tension. Right. And 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 spoilers there there is an effect to the baby that we'll get to later. Uh, oh yes. yeah, the baby yeah. the baby totally has a time head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not quite there yet. The doctor also drops River off back at Storm Cage. We have a poignant moment where uh he's about to leave and she says, "Hey, aren't you forgetting something?" He, and he doesn't realize what she's talking about and so she kisses him. Yeah. And he's kind of awkward about it, but she's very passionate about it. And as he's walking away, he says, well, there's a first time for everything. And she realizes, and alas, that's the last time she's going to get to kiss the doctor in in her timeline. They're going in opposite directions, so that's the last kiss. She thinks. She thinks. Yeah. But then, back in the TARDIS, after we have the time head discussion, the doctor does, surreptitiously, does a scan on Amy to see if she's pregnant or not. And it the scan keeps alternating between the pregnancy test being positive and negative, positive right. and negative. So we've got Schrodinger's baby. Right, right. <laughs> so one thing with, with when Rory was listening in on the doctor and Amy having their conversation about why she didn't tell Rory uh, she was pregnant, he was listening on the little nano recorder. And that's when she goes, oi, stupid face. <laughs> I'm going to take that away from you if you're going to listen to me in on me all the time. And so she knew he was listening uh, on mm-hmm. the on the recorder. Uh, so I, it is good. And so she's like, uh, "Look, th- this is I was you know, I would have told you at some point, but I wanted to talk to the doctor first because a woman when she's pregnant talks to her doctor first, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Sometime. uh, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> uh, we also had um, the doctor dropping off Nixon and uh, Canton at the Oval Office a little earlier than this, and. Nixon has this moment where he asks, uh, will I be remembered? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, tricky dicky. They will remember you. Don't worry. <laughs> and he adds, say hi to David Frost for me. And <laughs> right. That's a reference to a famous set of interviews that were done by the journalist David Frost after Nixon fell from power. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, there were, that was a good one. Then the episode ends with six months later in New York City, in the New York alleyway, there's a uh, homeless man scavenging in some uh, dumpsters when a little girl comes out of the shadows. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the little kid's book, the match, the, the matchbook girl. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that, I hated that book reading to my kids <laughs> because it always got me right in the feels. Um, cause yeah, yeah spoilers. <laughs> she dies at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
So the the homeless guy's like, are you okay, little girl? And she's like, oh, it's all right. It's quite all right. I'm dying, but I can fix that. It's easy, really. And then she, boom, she goes into regeneration mode, uh, Artron energy flowing out of her. And, he, of course, he heads for the hills like a smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so she's some kind of Time Lord-ish person, mm-hmm. Time Lady. So to kind of pull back, uh, so this is so confusing, we probably owe it to listeners who haven't seen this or seen it in a while to connect a few of the dots for them. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they actually, you can deduce where they're going from little clues that are dropped in this. Mm-hmm. It's confusing at the time, but they actually are setting up where they're going. So the re- so Amy is pregnant. You know, they even though they're being ambiguous about that now, there's no way they're pulling the plug on that and right. saying, "Oh no, she was never pregnant." They've they've crossed that line. She's got to have a baby. Yes. And yeah. since she found the photo of her and the baby in the orphanage, that means she's the mother of the little girl that ends up in the spacesuit. Right. And because she's been traveling with the doctor, and we'll find out even more about the circumstances of this, but because she's been traveling with the doctor, the baby does have a time head. Her Mm -hmm. and Rory's baby is effectively a time lord and has multiple regenerations. And so the little girl, so we'll see the little girl as a baby, as her first incarnation. Then she apparently, she later regenerates when she's old enough to understand because she then regenerates again at the end of this episode, and she will regenerate further, mm-hmm. and she will end up in the spacesuit, just like she was in the spacesuit here in this episode as a little girl. Right. She's going to be in the spacesuit as a full-grown woman when yep. she shoots the doctor. And this is all part of a plot that's being engineered by the silence and the eye patch lady who will later learn as Madame Kovarian. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, to to kill the doctor. The, the, to kill the doctor, which is a fixed point in time, which is why the silence needed the astronaut suit, because the circumstances of that moment can't change. Right, right, right. yes. And the, so this little girl is the secret weapon that can kill the doctor. This, that's the whole idea. Yeah, we won't go, we won't go any, I mean, if you've, if you've watched all this, you know what, what all happens, but if you haven't watched all this, we won't necessarily. And if it's, if it's been a while, that'll at least put the framework back and you'll know who the details involve. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, it wasn't until I was re-explaining this to my wife, Melanie, uh, (laughs) that I remembered how it is the doctor gets out of the, getting the shot in the first, the first beginning, like, obviously the doctor Mm -hmm. is not like dead because we have multiple seasons to go with the Doctor, the 11th Doctor, and uh, later incarnations. But um, it wasn't until I was re-explaining this, I'm like, oh, right, that's how he survived. Like, it yeah. completely <laughs> left my mind at that point, because it's, like, it's the thing, it's just confusing. Anyway, so uh, we'll we'll get back to that. Because she was, my wife was still, she's still confused. <laughs> so we'll have to rewatch. Um, uh, and everybody was, too, when this first aired, so she's not yes, alone. Yes, yes. So anything left to say about these two episodes? Uh, Father Corey? Nothing here. Nothing here. Jimmy? Nope. All right. So if <laughs> so, if you're still confused, you could uh, send us some feedback and let us know, and we'll try to work through it together. Uh, but uh, we do want to now take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including David C., Thomas A., Nick S., Rob G., and Justin S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give Make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. 
We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. So if you do have some feedback for us on Day of the Moon, let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the seventh Doctor story, Silver Nemesis. This is where I wait for reaction from Father Courier Jimmy. Sometimes there's I raised oh. my eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of hummed. <laughs> See, I haven't seen these, so I, I'm okay, judging so the quality not, based on your not, reaction. Not the best of times, not the worst of times. <laughs> all right, but, all right, good, but good. the 25th anniversary, which is why it's the Silver Nemesis. Uh, and that also good. tells us who the villain's going to be. Yes, yes, it's uh, o- obvious. Uh, but I won't go there. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, <laughs> thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, the silence will fall. Right. This is going to be fun.